are back with another episode of Third World Ballers. We are sitting here with Gary Alvarez, host of Persistence of Sound and founder of Persistence of Sound. What's going on, man? How's hello. it going? Hello, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you guys so much for uh, having me on the show today. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you for coming. It's good to be on a, on on the other side of the uh, microphone for. Yeah, a I was thinking, how often do you get interviewed? Because I know you do interviews like every single episode. Do you have a guest? Uh, on Persistence of Sound, yes, we do have an interview every week. Um, I recently was on um, La Banda Elastica about two weeks ago mm-hmm. on my friend's uh, show. They have a show called Audio Bond. And uh, so I was on there. But prior to that, it had been a while since I, since I was on the other side. Yeah. So what's that like? Like how, how hectic is it? Is it like managing everybody's schedules every week? Like, is that difficult or getting a hold of everybody? Because I think for us, like finding a guest... I don't know. It seems difficult to just rearrange all that time or arrange that time around another person rather. Yeah. Or just getting somebody to stumble in at like the last second. Yeah. It's not even super planned either. Well, the thing for me is um, I learned early on that uh, I have to book in advance. So yeah. Right now we're booked all the way through April. Mm, oh, okay. You know, that so makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I reach That's out, a solid strategy. you know, yeah. And, and uh, Plan that, ahead. It, yeah, if you give them a heads up, they usually are more, um, what's the word? Accommodating yeah. with their schedule. Nice. So this is uh, so we're kind of in honor here for your three year anniversary, right? Yes, nice. three years. Three wow. years. Have, have you had a guest every single episode or since the three years? Every single episode. So the guest DJ segment started with volume five. Prior to okay. that, I was in the studio at Espacio by myself, spinning records for two hours. Nice. And then I realized pretty quickly that I didn't think I was going to have enough vinyl to sustain me for a prolonged period of time. <laughs> yeah. I know that was feeling, man. So, uh, so I made a couple of adjustments. Uh, I started, you know, um, mixing in some digital music, which I had never done before as a DJ. Mm-hmm. I was one of those uh, vinyl snobs for a long time, <laughs> and uh, after having this show, I have a greater appreciation for digital in terms of mixing. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I decided one day, you know, I had this flashback to when I was in high school, hanging out with my friends and uh, listening to music all day, and uh, I, you know, everyone's busy now. Um, so you can't really just hang out and listen to records all day, but that that spirit I wanted to um, to bring in to persistence of sound. So I had this idea of creating a, a guest DJ segment, and that was uh, in the fifth week. And my first guest was uh, a friend of mine, a musician, bass player named um, Steve Mungaro, who is actually the host, one co-host of Audio Bond, which I was on. A couple oh, months nice, ago. yeah, dope. And ever since then, it's been a, a guest DJ. Ever uh, since, yeah. So we just did volume one forty seven. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, well, I'm, I forget the name of the artist you had on there, but that first that lovesick song you played at the beginning, she was dope. So her name is uh, Sadia Yasmin. That's right. Yeah, I, I saw her open up for Bardo Martinez of Chicano Batman. Oh damn! Um, a couple months ago at the Lodge Room, and uh, she was playing with the band called Champagne, and the band was you know they were down. They're playing some funky instrumentals. The old the 80s band champagne no they're uh, a bunch of young kids actually they're oh, okay. in their 20s yeah, okay. and i think some of the band members of that band play with bardo mm-hmm. and bardo's band called the, the doves or something like that mm-hmm. but they opened up and they were getting down with this live uh, instrumentals you know really funky and, I, and as i was thinking to myself man this band they need a vocalist you know and as soon as i <laughs> yeah. thought that here comes Sadia coming on on stage, and uh-huh. she just blew blew everyone away, man. That soul, you know, that soul yeah. voice that she has. Hell yeah! So, um, so I reached out to her not long after the show, and I booked her. 
uh, originally in December, and there was a, a a conflict in her schedule, so we rescheduled for last week, and she finally came through. I mean, that must be such an in, an intense task to have 149 guests, you know, to just do that weekly to manage that really. And uh, since you brought it up, I really wanted to say, you know, thank you for giving a voice to so many people within our community to just be vocal, talk about it. You know, there's a lot of great artists who never really get that opportunity to to just reach a wider audience. So that's amazing that you're doing that. And thank you personally, because we've both been on your show twice, yeah. you know. Yeah, that was amazing. That was actually the first time I've ever been interviewed for anything. So oh, it was man. great to share like a platform of music, especially on vinyl too, because I knew how much you appreciated vinyl. So I do. Yeah, I made sure to bring the heat for the first first installment. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Thank you guys for coming on the show. I, I met Joal about two summers ago, I think. Yeah. Um, on a set through a mutual homie, um, Gloria Moran. Shout out to her. Shout out. And uh, I remember you you came to that set with a Sony, and I was really impressed because I was shooting on a on a Canon C100. I'm like, damn, this was got a nice camera <laughs> uh and i just kept that in mind and then I, I started following you on instagram and i saw your photography and i was like damn this guy's got a really good eye so i had you on first and then you told me about josh and his uh crew groove inc yeah and then i invited josh on and uh, you were actually episode you, 100 yeah yeah episode 100 yeah that's, tr- that's right it was i was a little bit nervous not gonna front but I think it went well. A lot of pressure. A lot of, so much pressure. (laughs) And uh, it was cool because not all the guests bring vinyl, you know, and I really, Uh I dig it when when, um, my guest DJs bring vinyl and you spun a set, some some funky uh, 80s. Yeah, modern funk Modern funk, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then you also spun at our two-year anniversary show. Yeah, that was dope. That was a lot of fun. I love that venue. Spinning up in that little, like, jungle hut. That little perch, huh? Yeah, that little perch. It's a little cramped up there if you're bringing vinyl, but, like... It's still tight to it. Yeah, it's, it's been on there. It's a that was a cramped, fun party. And uh, it's a little dark. It can get dark up there. but Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's where we're going to be having our third year anniversary party coming up uh, February 6th. Nice. And for the listeners, uh, where exactly are you guys having that? Uh, this is going to be at Eastside Love, February 6th, 8 p.m. Dope. So I'm going to start the night off with, uh, with a DJ set. And then we're going to have uh, DJ Chibo of uh, Ghetto Palm Sounds from Long Beach. He's going to be spinning in between bands. And we're going to have live performances by Mind Monogram, kids from Southeast L.A. And uh, Weapons of Mass Creation are also going to be performing. They played last year? Yeah. Who? Weapons of Mass Creation? N- they didn't play at the anniversary show, but they were uh, guests. Uh, they were guest DJs a couple of months ago. Okay, maybe that's why I remember hearing them. And, and they're really talented. And uh, I brought some some music from both bands to nice. share later yeah cool and um hosting is divine diosa who i met through uh radio espacio radio espacio she has a show there called um vaya con diosa so she's going to be hosting and uh, we got some recent additions um we have uh marie sanchez who was miss samba no musa du samba usa 2017 no wow, way. she's going to be doing a live samba performance. That's tight. Yeah, really looking forward. She's going to, you know, put on. Yeah. She's going to come decked out with her <laughs> her regalia, and um, De La Luna Catering, a vegan oh, okay. um, outfit. Wow, you guys are getting a catered full. Yeah, uh, damn. They, yeah, they hit me out. They're like, "Hey, man, can we uh, can we sling some food?" And I'm like, "Yeah, for sure." They're <laughs> vegan, yeah. so if you're vegan, come on out, enjoy some food. And uh, those kids have been on, on Persistence of Sound. Marie's been on Persistence of Sound. Divine Dios has been on Persistence of Sound. Persistence of Sound, all stars, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, earlier today, we added um, 
the kids from Sonido del Valle. They're gonna be singing some vinyl too in the back. Oh, dope! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those get that record shop is sick as fuck. I like. I've only been there, I think, once, but they got the cuts in there yeah, for they, sure. They got a good selection. So I, I, I did want to include you know kids from the community. Yeah. Um, and and, and past guests really because what it, what it comes down to is is a celebration of music featuring you know people that I've met that have been on the show. Yeah. You know, and it's mostly for the guest DJs and, and you know, people turn, tune in and listen every week. Oh, yeah, man. I've actually been wanting to ask you, how did you connect with the Espacio artistic community? Uh, you mean Espacio 1839 mm-hmm. itself? Yes. So a couple of years ago, I got commissioned to shoot a 20th anniversary video for um, the East LA Community Corporation which is the president uh, of that organization. She, wasn't, she was vice president at the time. Uh, her name is Isela Gracian. And we went to high school together. And uh, I ran into her about four or five years ago, randomly at some fundraiser. And uh, she asked me if I would direct this um, video for her. And I did. So I was walking around, you know, uh, Mariachi Plaza and that area, because they own um, that hotel, I forget what it's called, where La Monarca is, okay. that old building yeah. from like the hotel. On the corner? Yeah, the Boyle Hotel or something. They own that. And so, you know, I was scouting locations. And I I remember walking by Espacio. And at the time, they had this really cheesy uh, sign. It was just white with black letters. And it said Espacio 1839. But they had a sandwich board outside. And it said vinyl. You know, and I'm walking by and I'm like, vinyl? So I walk in. And it was a lot more bare than what it looks like now. And Nico was there that day. Nico uh, Avina who runs the space and uh, I just started talking to him, you know, and asking him about that space and they're selling vinyl at the time and books. And, uh, uh, sometime later down, he invited me to an open mic that he was hosting called lyrical Molotov. And I stopped by and, uh, and that's when I saw the turntables, uh, you know, where the turntables are at, there's glass and I was standing in the back and I saw, and so I hit up Nico. I'm like, Hey man, can I spend some records? It had been a long time since I'd spun um, a set outside of my house. And uh, he told me, he's like, well, why don't you talk to Marco? He runs the radio station. That fool's never here, but he's outside smoking a cigarette. So I hit, oh. up, I hit up Marco, right? And Marco's like, why don't you come back on Wednesday? I'll show you how to use the gear, and you can have your own show. Damn. Oh, wow. So easy. <laughs> but hold on. But it was so packed, and, you know, he was kind of, his mind was elsewhere. I felt yeah, like yeah. he was just kind of brushing me aside, like, get out of here. You know, stop, <laughs> stop bothering me. But how everybody else is in L.A., pretty yeah. much. But I got to say, he's a man of his word. So I show up the following Wednesday, you know, with my vinyl. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm ready to spin a set. And the look on his face was like, fuck. Like, <laughs> now I actually oh, got to help through. this fool. Yeah. yeah. He didn't think I was going to roll through. At least that was my impression. But he's a man of his word. He showed me how to use the uh, the mix board. And uh, nice. an hour later, I had my very first show, you know. And wow. Wow. It just kind of. That was pretty. It's a pretty easy process. I mean. That's kind of like walking literally into it. For being in L.A., like, opportunities don't come that easily, I feel. Especially in a thriving community. No yeah, less. yeah. Well, that's one of the beautiful things I like about Espacio is the the creative energy that's there. You Definitely, know? like sure. right now, Joel's got a you know his photo exhibit, mm-hmm. and if it's not you know photography, there's some paintings on the wall. There's always something creative going on, and something uh, there's always something political going on because it's at that you know at the forefront, the vanguard of the movement to stop gentrification is yeah in that definitely. neighborhood. So there's always a buzz going on there, you know, and, and it's a good place to be. And I'm thankful, you know, that Nico and his wife, Myra, allowed me to come in every Wednesday, you know. They yeah. haven't kicked me out yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's strong. I love the show. It's great. Yeah. How did you come up with that name? Persistence of Sound. 
Um, I was looking for words that um, had a sonic connotation to it. And I don't remember the list that I came up with, but reverb was on the list, you know, and I looked up the definition. I mean, I've been playing guitar for a few years, so I know what reverb is on a, you know, on a guitar yeah. and on an amp. But for some reason, I decided to look up the actual dictionary definition of the word. And, uh, and that's what it was, persistence of sound. You know, that's the oh, effect. Wow. And I'm like, damn, that sounds cool, you know, persistence yeah. of sound. Wow. And, uh, and, it, and it kind of stuck, and, you know, it's, now it's a brand. Yeah, know? no, most definitely. We got I always stickers like, and I always hopefully shirts. Nice. I dig it too, you know, and uh, I'm really jealous. Uh, the homies have a, I already mentioned them earlier, they have a show called Audio Bond, and I'm like, damn, that's a good one too, man. <laughs> now, persistence of sound is great. I mean, it's definitely more well thought out than our podcast we kind of just yeah. <laughs> we're starting off a little bit comedic but when we first started we wanted to be like the serious like topical podcast segment but we ended up just morphing into something completely different i well, also just like third world ballers because i thought it was really funny the yeah it's just funny yeah we're, i mean i think it fits us now because yeah. we're very loose and i mean we still try and be topical when we when we need to be but for the most part we kind of take a light spin on everything so how, how does the show how, what are you guys doing on the show now it's been a while since i've listened uh, yeah, in terms of listenership? Or no, no, I mean in terms of like... Uh, tone? Tone and content. Yeah. I think we loosened up a We've lot. We've loosened up a lot. <laughs> I remember recording. I mean, I imagine you must have gone through something like that where, at least for me, I was nervous. I was always nervous. I'm all, like, yeah. Oh, what am I going to say? Me next? too. You, had a, was, you dreaded the like long pauses and yeah. silence. <laughs> now I embrace them. Yeah, because it's just, I, I feel like it, you just got to have the free-flowing conversation. Those are the best kind of podcasts I enjoy listening to, just the ones that you're just, it feels like you're just chilling in a room with people. And I definitely get that vibe from yours, just chilling, listening to throwing on some records, chilling, talking to the homies. and Very conversational. Very conversational while still getting into, you know, topics and keeping the flow going. But yeah, I, I definitely think our podcast now is just, just what we want. And t- originally intended it to be was just us talking yeah. being ourselves at original for a little while we were like okay like i know about this topic and i know yeah. about that and it's like it, it just wasn't fun yeah it wasn't yeah. fun it was feeling like i was doing homework <laughs> or like i was getting ready for a group speech yeah in front of a class and it's like no i wanted something funny yeah something i think there's a lot of but we're still definitely in that vein of being on current events and keeping up with issues but taking more commentary? of a comedic comedic commentary i'd say yeah because caesar we know caesar he's the he's the big political push and or I guess political voice in our podcast. So yeah. what like, is that for? He's in Visalia. He couldn't make it down. Oh, so yeah. for good reasons, he was going to come down, but he said he good for, good for him. He invested in a uh, some sort of like art thing that I've been telling him to get for a while. So yeah, he's moving forward with it. So shout out to him. Shout, shout out, out to Caesar. Caesar. Yeah, <laughs> Caesar <laughs> soon, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure he'll come down for the three year anniversary. Yeah, it should be, be good dope. to see him. Yeah, hopefully you guys roll through too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah of most course. Definitely. Of course. I gotta ask though, because lately me and Ralph have been uh, booking more shows, so we've been really trying to like pull in crowds. So every night, at, like my biggest fear before a show is like, is there gonna be people in here? Like we had a show where it was just Jawal. Hey, and because uh, it was on a, what was it Monday? Yeah, no, it was on a Monday of the Thanksgiving week. Yeah, so nobody showed up. So that feeling is just so goddamn dreadful. So I just, do you have that anxiety of putting on these persistent of sound shows? Oh, or is yeah. DJing shows in general still? Oh, oh yeah, man. Um, I, I always get nervous. Uh, I, I'm really shy, you know, and yeah. I don't like to be on stage. And so that's why, 
you know, for every anniversary celebration, I, I bring in a host That's or smart. a co-host. Yeah. That's actually a really good idea. <laughs> you know, to ha- people who are used to emceeing and yeah. being on stage. So the first year we had a, a friend of mine, uh, Julieta. She's a professional MC, you know, and she's a friend of mine. So I asked her to do it. Last year we had a comedian homie of mine named Walter Reyes. Shout out to him. Um, he hosted, you know, and this year, uh, Diosa, she's also a comedian and and she's also a training, you know, and she's going, uh, she's training with the Up- Upright Citizens Brigade and Second oh, wow. City. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. So, you know, these are people who are comfortable being, you know, on stage, whereas I'm not. And uh, so what I do is, you know, I, ha- I, ha- I have them help me. I go up there, you know, and I talk a little bit about the show. Um, but in terms of spinning, uh, I'm trying to remember my very first professional gig as a DJ. Um, fuck. This was going back to like early two thousands. Um, Is that around the time you kind of started buckling down with your DJ endeavors? You know, I, I remember when. So when I was in Berkeley, um, I had some friends of mine who were. Oh, actually, right, you, you you studied up north, right? So, yeah, yeah. I was going to school in Berkeley, and I had some older friends of mine who had a. They had twelve hundreds. Uh-huh. You know, and they were spinning in the city, you know, yeah. and they were really into house. At the time, San Francisco house was bumping, man. Uh, Naked Music was just putting out yeah. single after single that, that were really good. And uh, so, I, you know, we would hang out. Those were the days when we would hang out and just listen to music all day. And uh, eventually, um, I remember, I don't know if it was my very first gig, but it was a birthday party. Uh, this girl that I, that I really liked, I would see her at the, at the library every time I would go in their main <laughs> stacks. Her name was Yael. Uh-huh. And uh, we started talking. Shout out, yeah. Well, I haven't seen her since, man. Great white buffalo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a funny story, man. And, and it's, a, it's a little graphic, but... Um, Get in it. <laughs> so we were chatting, and she told me about her birthday party. You know, and there was a, a good vibe between me and her. And so she invited, and she's like, hey, would yeah. you like to spin some records at my party? I'm like, hell yeah. yeah. But I didn't have turntables at the time, but my friend Buddy did. He had some 1200s and he had them in a coffin and I hit him up and I'm like, hey, can I can I borrow your decks to spin at this uh, birthday party? He's like, yeah. And I remember it was a raining night and I didn't have a car in those days. He had a car. He came to pick me up, drop me off, help me take the coffin inside the house. We set it up and, you know, mind you, this, you know, it's a college party. So everyone's yeah. drinking and, and blazing. Yeah. And uh, I remember it wasn't her birthday. It was a roommate's birthday and they had this big ass house on the north side and I set up the turntables. Um, I think they're called French doors. They, they open out okay. from the middle. So I put the the, the coffin in between uh, where the doors are, facing the, the living room where the dance floor was. And behind me was the birthday girl's um, bedroom. So I'm spinning a set. I'm all into it. You know, a couple beers in, probably a couple bowls in too. And, uh, <laughs> and, and next thing you hear, I just hear this thump and boom 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 and it's to the beat and i'm thinking you know i'm looking at the i'm looking at the, my at the bass yeah i'm looking at the bass level and i'm like so i turn on the bass level and i, and I still hear the thump boom, boom. and i turn around behind me and the birthday girl's getting rocked man <laughs> like spread, spread eagle and and i'm looking at yeah, and you heard her getting rocked over yeah. the sound of the music at the party well l- literally like all right <laughs> Like let's say here's the turntables. I'm uh, I'm in Josh's room, so I'm trying to explain it. Yeah. And here's the bed. Right. Right. And I'm facing this way, and they're behind me. But people on this side can't see because of the doors. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm kind of blocking their view, you know. So I turn around and I just see, and I'm like, damn, like, dang, birthday girls, you know, having a birthday treat. Yeah. (laughs) The visuals you didn't want. Yeah. 
but it was, it was needless <laughs> to say it was it was a great party and uh hell yeah <laughs> i think that was my very first gig that i that like i can remember. remember yeah and uh you know my most recent gig actually i did get a little bit of the jitters it was pretty big it was at the uh, southeast la arts festival oh fuck yeah um in the river channel and uh thousands of people and um i guess you get into the zone so you, you kind of block everyone out mm-hmm. yeah um what i don't like spinning at public events like that is people coming up and requesting, requesting. songs yeah. you know yeah. and people the, do that at clubs still people do that everywhere there's a dj have you seen the yeah. memes about how not to ask the DJ. There's some yeah, good yeah, ones. Yeah, there's on some Instagram. good ones, yeah. <laughs> but the worst I had was I was spinning on the roof of Don Chente uh, in downtown LA, right across from the Staples Center. Uh, dope view. Okay. And uh, this lady comes up to me and she's like, do you have any mana? Uh-huh. Oh, no. And I just look at her and I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> sorry, I don't. And the dirty look that she gave me like... Yeah, they're so offended that, that you don't want to appease their request because they think they, they know the vibe of what the party needs right now. And most of the time they're drunk. It's like they get it. Why are they getting offended you should be the one that's getting offended like, i'm a dj for a reason you know they hired me to provide the sounds of the music like you don't ask a bartender like let me make that drink for that person you know that's true <laughs> that's, that's a good way thing. of putting it <laughs> so that's my my pet peeve when it comes to dj oh yeah yeah dude it's the worst sometimes if they come up with a good request then i'm like all right unfortunately i don't have that but that's i respect you for that and i'll play something close to that but if it's totally left field of what you're playing like the other night me and ralph when we were spinning we were spinning mostly like a chiller deeper house set and these people came up to us and said, hey, y'all got any uh, J. Cole or Jeremiah? Let's throw some of that on. Jeremiah? So, like, no. Like, That's a weird fit. You hear what's being played right now. You're like, why are you going to ask me to just play this one song for you? People are clearly dancing, you know? Like, was that the last? Yeah, it was at the That's last. That's weird. Yeah. That doesn't even fit the vibe either. Yeah, right? What? Okay. Well. It was pretty hilarious. But, yeah. So what did you end up doing? I just said no. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't have that. You just have like a little sign. In He's front like, of if your you want to go tables. hear that somewhere else, I think there's a bar down the street. Like, you know, keep just it moving. Hang the sign. Just put like uh, no request, no welcome, not welcomed, no request welcome. If it's like a house party and I have a laptop, okay, like maybe we can get a. That's a difference though. Yeah, but you're at a club or even like a bar like that. It's just like, yeah. Ugh. but yeah. <laughs> Feeling those sh- uh, those shows is is tough. It's cr- it's nerve wracking, at least for me. I feel like I would do a lot better in a bigger crowd, as opposed to like an empty crowd where there's no there's nothing writing on the line, as opposed to like, making sure the party's going. <laughs> like I just haven't experienced that. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll get there, man. We'll get there. Yeah. You got a residency at the Lash now? Nah, sorta. We did okay on Sunday, so we're trying to get. She she reached out to us to get another uh, gig next month. So we're going to try and do one more Sunday and try and get the homies out just to make sure. Because they're basically off of the bar revenues. Like She tried to have told us, like, the bar didn't do good, so you guys are going to get bumped to Sunday. Um, so we just want to make people come out and buy drinks for that one night. And then we're going to ask, maybe get, like, a Friday, Saturday night, uh, once a month spot. We're trying to just do once a month spot. We were doing, uh, when I first moved down, we were doing a weekly spot. And In El Monte, right? Believe, yeah, believe me. In El Monte, of all places, yeah, yeah, like believe me, that was tough to get people out there every week. Just like an empty show. Yeah, like, that one was uh... neon lights. It's it's a weird feeling, but uh, yeah, I'm sure uh, you know, like putting on a a big show like that, you have the benefit of other bands and other people inviting people too. So I'm sure that third year anniversary is going to be a dope ass party for sure. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. I mean, you know, you look at the uh, the list, and it's about eighty people. 
Yeah, see, that's already, about, like, right there. Yeah. Well, you figure from those 80, about maybe half will show up. Yeah, yeah. But um, even that's a lot, yeah. That's a good and, and that's just, you know, on my list, I'm hoping, you know, the, the other DJ will bring some people and, you know, the, yeah. the bands will bring in some people. Our first year, it was packed. And uh, I think part of the reason was is that my birthday, actually, my, my belly button birthday was actually that day. And so a lot of my friends came out to celebrate. Yeah. And we had a cake and everything. And everyone's, that was really cool, man, to be honest. Oh, yeah. But it wasn't a birthday party. You know, my, 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 my girlfriend at the time, not my fiance, she turned it into a birthday party and she brought a cake and everything. I, I wanted a, I didn't want to make it about me, you know, and my birthday. I just yeah. wanted to make it about the, the show and the celebration. But um, it was cool, you know, to have people. I, to have people sing me my you know happy birthday <laughs> yeah. that many people you yeah. know yeah, yeah, yeah. happened before on that level so that was kind of cool i'm looking forward to going yeah yeah i couldn't make it out because of work but i you mean you didn't go last year i couldn't oh right i think yeah, yeah but um well before we started recording you actually have some big news you're going out to sundance yeah i'm going to sundance again this year this is the third year that uh persistence of sound is going to be going to sundance the film festival we go out there um and interview other filmmakers and actors and promote um i try to focus on filmmakers of color so right now we have a couple of uh, filmmakers lined up uh one of them's native american fe- uh, female director another one's uh, a young uh filmmaker from chile and uh the third one that we have confirmed so far i'm really looking forward to is, is a, a male na- native american director who made a documentary about this uh a really famous and i'm drawing a blank on his name right now well-known um the first native american to win a pulitzer in literature okay. so he made a documentary on that it's called words from a bear that's the name of the film and uh i also um go there to hustle and to network um i'm trained as a filmmaker the radio show is kind of more of a a, a project of love for me and so what i've learned um with the prior to having my own show, I went to Sundance with the magazine and uh, writing for somebody else. And what I learned from that, I'm no longer affiliated with that with that project. But what I learned from that experience is having the credential with that magazine opened a lot of doors for me. You know, yeah. and having that badge grants me access to people and events that you know just your average or your regular um, festival goer doesn't have. You know. Yeah. So when I was no longer working with that magazine it occurred to me, well, why don't I just use Persistence of Sound, you know? Fortunately, Your own magazine, yeah. Yeah, well, my own show, you know? And yeah. so I, I applied for a credential that year. It was just, um, it was a long shot, I guess, in the sense that, like, you know, Persistence of Sound is not variety. It's not the Hollywood Reporter. And it's not, you know, NBC, CBS, all the big, <laughs> all the big ones, you know? But um, I got a credential, you know? That was two years ago. And then we went back last year, and then we're going back again this year. That's what's up. So I'm I'm hoping, you know, I'm going to go interview these filmmakers, but also to network, you know, to make something, uh, to take my filmmaking career to the next level, too. How do you get a credential? How do you apply for a credential for that? So so, uh, basically what they ask you for is prior writing experience uh, or whatever platform you use, whether it's, you know, print or online, they want to see a body of work. And uh, so for that first year, when I went with the magazine, I remember uh, that was when Birdman had just come out. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not a trained journalist. Uh, I am a writer, um, first and foremost. So I, what I did was the, the editor of that magazine is like, just write something. Yeah. And, and I'm like, well, I could do that. 
And he's like, but write something that's on film. And at the time, Birdman was, um, I had just seen it. It hadn't blown up yet, but um, the director, uh, Inyaritu, I've been a fan of for a long time. So I wrote a little piece on the film, and he submitted it through his magazine. And that's how I was able to get my credential the first year. And then when I was there at the festival, I, I interviewed some filmmakers. And that's how I was able to get the, my credential the second year. Yeah. And then based on those two years writing with that mag, uh, associated with that magazine, the third year is when I first did it with uh, Persistence of Sound based on the track record that I had. So for your listeners who are interested in, in getting a credential, it's, you just got to submit to their press. The people who handle their press submit it. It's usually due by like December and they let you know in a couple of weeks. It's a pretty quick turnaround. Do you have any... Uh filmmakers or projects that you're looking forward to checking out while you're there or are you kind of just going to go and see what you find um yeah uh, there's a couple of documentaries that i want to see one's on miles davis um directed by stanley nelson who did the uh he put out a really good documentary a couple years ago called uh black panthers vanguard of the revolution if you guys haven't seen it, it's fucking badass so he's coming back i just read there's a um a documentary on kamasi washington who i really enjoys music we just we started today's show with the kamasi washington track called truth wu-tang's got a, a documentary series coming yeah, I out about that um i don't think I'll, I'll well i don't know you n- never say never but i don't know <laughs> if, I'll, if i'll be able to land those guys because you know they're kind of they're super big yeah um and, and the film that i mentioned uh off the air about the uh the kids who infiltrated uh a detention center for um detained immigrant children that film is called The Infiltrators. I'm looking forward to that, too. That's a fiction narrative, right? Yeah, that's a fiction. And the other ones are docs. Uh, they, they really have really good docs. I'm more interested in docs when I go to Sundance. But then again, like when I'm there, it's like there's so many films to watch and there's just not enough time, you know? True. So you think you're going to spend more time like working and hustling or do you really want to like set aside time for like watching any films or just play it by ear? Um... Well, I'm definitely going to get those interviews. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm there primarily uh, for the show, and and I need those interviews in order to apply it next year. Um, So I'm going to split my time between doing the interviews for Persistence of Sound and then me just hustling my projects and just pitching. You know, I have a bunch of film projects that I just need, you know, some financial backing to get them off the ground, you know, and Mm -hmm. so that'll be the rest of the time. And if there's time left over watch watch a film here and there what's cool also too about the credentials a lot of times they'll send you a screener so you can watch the film before you get there so that you have you know you're more better informed when you're speaking to the filmmakers so uh and then after that just parties you know there's yeah. like non-stop <laughs> parties every night you know yeah. are you gonna try and spin a set out there um you know the first year i was there jason bentley was there spinning a set with a kcrw uh-huh. and uh it was outside and that year happened to be like one of the biggest snow snowstorms in Park City history, and I, and I was just looking at Jason Bentley, and I'm like, damn, that fool looks miserable, you know. <laughs> and I'm wondering if his vinyl is gonna crack because it's so cold. Oh, um, it was that cold? You think it fucked the vinyl up? Um, I don't know if it did, but I was wondering. You know how like you always stress about the the heat warping yeah, the records. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing principle, same principle applies. I mean, I've never seen it happen, but I'm sure it's possible. <laughs> but to answer your question, I would love to spin a set out there, you know? Yeah. Somebody has some turntables. Yeah. Are, are you primarily just spinning on vinyl, too, when you when you DJ out? Or are you bringing, a, like, Serato? So I have a confession, man. I don't have Serato yet. Uh-huh. Um, 
so the, this gig that I did in the summer at the uh, Southeast LA uh, Arts Festival, that was the first time I did a I spun a public set where I incorporated digital for the first time. I did both. It was a hybrid, so I had you know whatever whatever I didn't have on vinyl. Yeah. So my nephew uh, got me Apple Music last year for my birthday. And that's badass, man. If you guys don't have Apple Music, it's freaking awesome. I fuck with Spotify. Well, I had them both. It's the same thing? Yeah, it's the same. Just a streaming platform, right? Well, the cool thing about Apple Music is you can download it, too. You can do that with Spotify. Oh, you can? Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, it works for me, you know. Uh, yeah. I'm on his account, and, you know, I get to have access to all this music. So, um, there's a lot of tracks that I don't have oh, but on you can, vinyl. You can download it, download it, huh? Like onto your computer so yeah. you can actually spin with them. Yeah. Yeah, you can't do that with Spotify. So, uh, that's, uh, that's, I guess, the big benefit for Apple Music. Damn, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful, man. So, I did a hybrid set, you know, and uh, I had vinyl and then yeah. I spun in some, some digital music. And uh, I never thought I'd, because I, like I mentioned earlier, like I was one of those uh, vinyl Vinali. elitists. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's just, it's kind of silly now when I think back. Yeah, I know. mean, there's all platforms share great music. I love spinning. Sometimes it's just like, not to say it's easier, but in terms of just bringing a set and getting a set together and taking it to a party or something, getting shit on digital I have no problems with it. I was for a little while being like, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be the legit DJ with the vinyl. I always show up. But if you go to like a public, public party or event, people don't like really care what you're spinning on. So it's only the other DJ nerds. You're right. That's who you're trying to feel to. to, You know, (laughs) you're not spinning on vinyl, man. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's a community for every art. You got film and digital also going at it. Yeah. Digital is just always going to be looked down on by the more analog versions of anything. Yeah. But to me, it's just as difficult spinning. If you, to spin a set is to have a good year no matter what. And there's still a craft to it. Yeah. There's there's still a craft to it. I, I was, I learned to DJ on CDJs and I think in the most recent years is when I started getting really vinyl heavy. So whatever platform works as long as you know how to bring a good vibe as a dj i i agree and after a while you know um i'm getting old older Uh, i'm gonna be turning 39 a couple weeks and you know lugging around all that vinyl i remember (laughs) i had a residency uh like in the early 2000s and and the the space was upstairs Uh and having to lug two crates of vinyl upstairs yeah it's a bitch man you know when you're 20 you're willing to you know willing to do it but now that i'm 30 i'm gonna be 39 i'm like nah (laughs) i'll just i'll bring i gotta invest in one of those laptops man yeah they're worth it and uh, i have a little controller too that i got for like 200 bucks you play serato light on there it's great you know fuck paying for serato when you get the same i mean unless unless you're trying to use all the effects in the full extent of serato pro just go for the light especially us vinyl djs you know whatever works just to get our music on there you, you use serato or do you use what's the other one tracks uh tractor tractor i use serato light i was paying i was using serato pro for a while but i i find spinning on vinyl way more fun so if ever i'm trying to get a set where i know i can spin digital i'll just bust out my little controller and hook my laptop up and just get a set together like that too but yeah both ways i'm down with yeah no i'm uh i'm I've been sold on the dig- digital revolution, and <laughs> yeah, I'm for it either way, you know. Yeah, yeah, and then the, and now with Serato, uh, with Serato, with Serato uh, Scratch, you can still have the same feel of vinyl. You know, just bring the Serato turntables, bring the controller uh, discs that Serato makes, and it's the same feel. It's like you're essentially just using DJing on uh, vinyl. So, and you can use that on any turntable. Yeah, you just need the you just need the, the Serato the disc, and then uh, Serato on your computer. 
What a world we live in. It's crazy, huh? Digital. Like, what? (laughs) You're blowing my mind right now. That's like the best base level DJing equipment right there. I'm out of my element. Yeah. When you guys were talking, you guys were talking about cameras and how you're impressed by Joel's. I was like, that sounds like some spacecraft shit. Yeah. I know. know. When I look at this, it's like, um, I know what an aux cord is. (laughs) Yeah. It just kind of clicked with all this sound stuff. I just, I'm drawn to it. And I just get it. Like, I don't know. Once you know, once you learn it on one thing, it translates to so many other controllers and soundboards and. It's just DJ very daunting camera. to look at. Like anything. It is. Yeah, it is. It is. But dude, I was recently at uh, at uh, Capitol Records in Studio A and looking at. Oh, yeah, their I saw that soundboard. Is yeah. Fucking, See now that's daunting. Yeah, yeah. it's overwhelming. What does that like, even? What do you even control with all that? Shit? What don't you control? Yeah. They. I asked the same question and they're like. The, guys know their shit they just come in they're like boom 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 <laughs> just like how you are on yours yeah like th- that's how they it's just are a huge, yeah that's what i'm saying it's like, like the width of, of the space right here yeah I, I guess it must be geared for all equip all sorts of equipment and instruments right that's why it has so many different channels because not everything is not everything requires the same sort of eq so it makes sense but fuck just like coming in there what do i touch i don't want to fuck <laughs> shit up you know fuck yeah, it was amazing, man. If you guys ever get a chance, to check it out. Yeah, uh, Capitol Records. Uh, Hollywood? Holly- What's the one you went to in Long Beach that was clo- that recently closed? Mm, a record go- store in Long Beach? Or not a record store. Uh, it, it was a recording studio, wasn't it, one in Long Beach? Or- oh, I think you might be thinking of VIP Records. Is that the one? Um, they had like a show on the roof or something. I thought yeah, I yeah. VIP Records, man. Um, so they were responsible for Snoop's uh, right, early demos. Yeah, that's oh. the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, right. and he recorded uh, the video for What's My Name on the rooftop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now, yeah. And they recently closed, unfortunately. It's so strange. I drove by there recently to 7-Eleven and I walked in because I was shooting a documentary in there before film school in around 2009. And it was still a full functioning uh, record store. Um, it was on its. It was celebrating its 30th anniversary, and you could tell that it was like on its last legs. legs yeah. And, and the owner Calvin was like holding on for dear life. But I mean, it was like walking into you know a legit record store, which yeah. had been around since the 70s. And Calvin uh, was telling the story because um, Long Beach Poly is right around the corner from there, and all the kids in the 90s they would get out of school and come over, you know, and buy records. And one of them just happened to be Snoop. And at the time, uh, Calvin had uh, invested in some turntables and he built a little recorder in the back and Snoop went in there and cut his first demo and DJ Quick came out of there too. Oh, and, what? Uh, Warren G. Damn. And uh, Nate Dog and a lot of history, the Dove man. Shack. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that now it's a 7-Eleven. Wow. That is so bizarre. Damn. 7-Eleven. <laughs> yeah, it's like that uh, Social Distortion song. Um, what's that name of that track? Uh, when he talks about he goes back home and now his favorite pool house is 7-Eleven. That's literally a line in the song. <laughs> story, story of my life. That's what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like a plaque with like the dog pound That's on so it. much history. I mean, all, everybody from the G-Funk era that's relevant in shape music sounds like they at least stepped foot in there. So Yeah, we sh- when we shot the documentary, we were on the roof. Uh, Calvin took us up to the roof. And mm-hmm. uh, fortunately, though, he did manage to save the sign. Uh, and oh, nice. I think he wants to build like some uh, museum dedicated to the G-Funk and uh that'd be amazing but the sign is no longer there they i don't know they must have like sawed it and taken it and it's probably in storage but now it's a 7-eleven so it's trippy 
That sucks. That's uh, how I mean, many Seven Elevens are there in Long Beach? Like too they, many, too many, and they needed to add it over this historical. They always do that. There's that uh, theater on Whittier Boulevard and I think Atlantic that they turn oh, into yeah. a CVS. CVS. Oh it's yeah, like, yeah, that was such a landmark. It's a beautiful out. building too. It is, yeah. and they still kept it, which yeah, is weird. It's like and so they you turn it into a CVS. Into a CVS. Why not turn that Skechers into a CVS? And I don't know. Well, it used to be a movie theater, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That one too. Oh, no, the, no, no, the theater? no. Yeah. The, the theater, theater, yeah. Weird. Weird. Damn. It's just, that's what I fear for Boyle Heights in the east side. And I'm sure everybody in like South Central probably is like, oh, no. It's going to all turn into some kind of weird well, convenience store. Well, when uh, they finish the new stadium, rent prices are in that area because it's, it's kind of it's in Inglewood yeah. and near like South Central. Two rent prices are going to skyrocket. They already have. They already people. have. My coworkers, like cousin or something, they were living in uh, Inglewood. And just like recently, they the landlord told them, "Oh, your rent's going to increase by like three times what you're paying now, and you need to pay us by the end of the month." So it's like these renters don't want to be accommodating; they just know the real estate that's going to happen in that area, you know. And it's just fucked up because it's such a like yeah. Inglewood, you know. It's, it's going to just be gentrified as soon yeah. as that stadium is being built. Is built rather it's scary, it's scary Weird stuff. Time. Yeah, Weird like time. we were welcoming this big stadium, but there's so many ramifications to getting like. A new stadium. How many stadiums do we have in Los Angeles? What's that for the Chargers? Uh, for uh, both, right? They're both going to play there for the Rams and the Chargers. Yeah, yeah, they're the both going to play there. Yeah, it's going to be it's like huge. A, yeah, I just drove massive. by it. I just drove by it the other day, or yes, today. I just drove by it today, and I can. They've made so much progress. That shit is huge. What's crazy too is, uh, I think I was telling you about this that they had to uh, dig into the earth because it's right by the airport. So they they wanted to scale it as big as they could, but due to where the location, they had to. Uh, dig into the ground and make it accommodating for yeah. that size it's crazy wait so the the field level is below it's street be- level is below street level just oh. to get the size because it's in it's i uh, mean it would be an insane the- eyesore <laughs> if you think about it like oh jesus look at that thing dude traffic's gonna be gnarly over it's there already gnarly <laughs> yeah it's pretty scary Imagine trying to get to LAX on a 5 p.m. on like a weekday. That's gonna or be the, the nightmare on a monday or something monday when night the game football. start yeah on sundays forget it well, if you ever need to park your car, uh, I'm so I'm staying with my fiance and really, really like five minutes away from there. So you He's can park, slanging that parking. Yeah, you can just park <laughs> on our block and then just take like a like a Lyft or an Uber. Yo, that's a real there. racket though. People be doing that over by the U, by USC. Oh yeah, by the Coliseum. By the Coliseum. I've yeah, paid into for it. sure, dude. It works. I would. If it's not sketchy, if I, I lived like, there, I'll I would have done it. it. Yeah. Well, yeah. that area around USC is pretty sketchy. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. You have to go on the right street to pay for parking from some random house for sure. Play it smart, guys. Play it don't, smart. Don't do what we just told you to do. <laughs> uh, so you brought this, uh, the Kamasi Washington. So for our listeners listening on SoundCloud, you guys can hear the first track that we opened. But we also upload to iTunes and uh, Google Play. So we won't play the Kamasi Washington track on there if you're listening on iTunes. But on uh, Spotify, or excuse me, SoundCloud, uh, we opened the episode with uh, the Kamasi Washington track, Truth. And you said it came out last year? I believe it came out last year. I'm um, looking at the vinyl cover. It's off of an EP called Harmony of Difference. Yeah, I didn't even I, I didn't even hear this one, actually. The one, last one uh, I had heard of him was the, the Heaven and Hell. Uh, and you know what? I, now that I think about it, I have heard more than just that Street Fighter song. The whole thing is actually pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I heard the song, the, the song Truth on the radio. I, I think it was a KCRW. And, yeah, um, it blew my mind and uh, i went out and got it and it's now 
in the top three of my favorite tracks of all time. Oh, wow, man. of all time. What's a, what are the other two? Uh, number one, uh, What's Going On, Mar- Marvin Gaye. Okay. Number two, uh, Better Sweet Symphony by The Verve. Okay. And then number three, uh, Truth by Kamasi. What, what, uh, what made you what, gravitate towards this track? Yeah. Uh, the horns, you know, the saxophone is amazing. Uh, the backing vocals are awesome. Um, the title of the track, you know, uh, appealed to me. Yeah. And it's just got this overall uh, feeling of like, I don't know if you guys are like this, but sometimes like I have this fear of going deaf, you know? Oh, dude, believe me. I, every time I hear a little hiss in my ear when I'm just like sleeping, I fucking scream inside. I, I hope to God I never go deaf. That's the worst, um, yeah. <laughs> and this is one of those songs that reminds me of like how grateful I am to be able to listen to music yeah. and, and what a joy music can bring. And uh, and just to, to hear that that song was floating around in s- some human being's head. Right. And, 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 and he's... You know, Kamasi is a really talented uh, musician, and the fact that he was able to like put it on paper—I don't know. I'm I'm guessing he he reads and writes music at his level. Yeah. Um, and and then to have other musicians come in, I I guess part of it is like the collaborative process of like, you know, you as as a creative person have this Mm -hmm. idea for a song or for a photograph or for a film. And then you bring on board people who can actually like interpret it with you, interpret yeah. it, and, and be true to your vision. Yeah, and then put it down, record it, and then put it on some piece of vinyl, and then put it out into the world. And I just so happened to be, you know, going through the airwaves, and it was just there. Um, it just blew my mind, and I was like, "Wow, this is why I'm grateful." You know, <laughs> there's a quote out there: uh, "Without music, life would be a mistake." Uh-huh. And this is one of those songs that reminds me of how true that statement is. That's great. That's a, that's a beautiful way of, to describe how this song made you feel. And it's pretty rare nowadays to have artists that are full-on musicians and actually put the time and effort into, like you said, recruiting these musicians to interpret their vision and actually create something that's going to be long-lasting and isn't just designed to you know, feed a trend or just keep people partying and just kind of appeal to a certain... Certain time, this uh, Kamashi Washington, everything I hear is just so timeless. You know, like it reminds me of listening to like old Farrell Saunders and like Lonnie Liston Smith, like some of the greats of jazz that are st- I'm still listening to. Like I was, I was beginning a set earlier today and just playing most of my jazz hits, and I'm like, damn, like, like you, I had that same feeling. Like you, you described it perfectly. Like these are songs that make me wish that I never go deaf or ever just lose, degrade my hearing in any way, you know. Yeah, no hyperbole, but Kamasi Washington is truly a musical living legend. Like, yeah, you don't have that anymore. There's nobody. Amazing. There's nobody. And the artists that nowadays are are so revered, like the Ariana Grandes, and yeah. like uh, just Coachella. Coachella. Is he on Coachella? Is he going to be there? No, but he have I and mean, he has been. But this Coachella. It's a disgrace uh, it's that a, he's not there. Yeah, I, I was. Listening. I think he played last year. Yeah, okay. he's played a couple times. He's right. played a couple times. I heard you uh, shout out Janelle Monae on that last episode. Oh yeah, and uh, you mentioned Coachella. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, where do you? How do you think Coachella is now? Because you said you. What years did you go to Coachella? You said you'd been a couple times. Uh, I've been twice. I went to the original Coachella in 1999. Okay. Okay. So this uh, this yeah. is great to get your yeah. respect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> back back in those days when it was like one day right it was one day back in uh, it was one i can't remember if it was one day it was I, it was definitely one weekend it was in october it was 30 bucks um uh, oh, wow. it wasn't wow. crowded 30 like, bucks yeah uh you could walk around and i you know bump 
uh, into people or trip over people. You can find, you know, a piece of grass to just hang out with your friends. Uh, and there, you definitely, well, at least I did, uh, I felt like it, we were all there for the music. Uh, dude, yes. You know? That's what it used to be about. Was well, it was a very, it, I, didn't, I didn't even know what Coachella was. Like, I was living in Berkeley at the time, and uh, my uh-huh. friend was living in L.A., and he told me that uh, one of my favorite bands of all time was playing uh, Spiritualize. And he's like, hey, man, did you hear Spiritualize playing Coachella? And I'm like, what's Coachella? And so he sent me uh, the, a picture of the flyer, which you can find online now. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah uh, and we drove all the way from Berkeley all the way down to Coachella, which is a, a long-ass drive. Um, just for that, you know, and... Uh, who who headlined that year? Uh, Beck headlined. He had go. just come out with Midnight Vultures. Morrissey was there. Tool, Rage Against the Machine yeah, is looking like Art of Noise. Uh, let me get a better picture of Coachella. And it's a trip because I found that flyer years later in in a drawer, and I looked at all the bands that I didn't know of at that time that I that knew are big, now. That are like yeah, and yeah. I'm like damn, they they were there. I could I didn't even know these guys were there. Yeah, Nightmares on Wax. He's still going strong. A perfect. Sur- Wow, crazy! A perfect circle and tool. You have Underworld played two separate days. Chemical Brothers were there when they were popping. Yeah, That's cool. you got a uh, Beck during the Midnight Vulture phase. Modest, yeah. Modest Mouse. Wow, Modest Mouse. Yeah, Juan Atkins, LTJ Bookum. It was about the music. So, what are your thoughts now on what it looks like now? Because, like, okay, let's look at this lineup real quick. We got Beck, Morrissey, Rage Against the Machine, musicians, tool artists that we're still kind of are pretty relevant. We're still talking about right, and over here, okay. Childish Gambino, that's I, I appreciate that. He's a great artist. Like, don't get me wrong. He's great. That's my boy. Yeah, but then we got okay, DJ Snake, Diplo, um Kid Cuddy, Bass Nectar, and Jay Ariana Grande, Zed. Those are just the big names you see at first glance. Bad and you can kind of see where the state of music now, you know? So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, and then I went back um about ten years ten years later, um, I don't remember what year it was. Uh, I went because Jesus and Mary Chain were playing, and I hadn't seen them since they had broken up in, like, 97. So I'd been about 10 years. Yeah. And that's the reason why I went. Um, at that point, uh, they had moved it to April. It wasn't two weekends at, at that time either. It was just one weekend. I think we might have paid, like, 100 bucks, maybe a little bit more. Um, I went with my girlfriend at the time, and <laughs> what I noticed was it had it had more of a an amusement park kind of feel to it. Mm, that's when the the turn probably started happening. For uh, the I'm guessing experience. it was right around that time. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I did like what was cool is um you could trade in uh, empty water bottles and they would give you free water bottles. And when oh. you're in the desert in that heat, oh, yeah. yeah, that was very uh, thoughtful f- of the uh, organizers to do. But they still do that, I think, right? I think they just, I they mean, did the last time, but I it's went. just so like, yeah, Coachella, fighting. they can't keep anything organized once you're actually there. They're, I'm sure they advertise that, but I doubt there's they're honoring that. Well, the biggest uh, change that I noticed that at, at that point, you know, selfies were starting to become big and. It just felt Social like people, media started coming out. I, I felt like people were there just to say that they were be there, there. Mm-hmm. be seen, and, yeah. and hashtag. And so after that, uh, I kind of lost interest. And um, once they hit two weekends and the tickets were like 300 bucks, I'm like, eh. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I, I've already been there twice. And um, at this point, like, I don't want to pay 300 bucks to see a band play 45 minutes. Right, right. You know, so... 
Uh, and then I just, I'm over the crowds. Um, that last time I was there, uh, I remember walking in and I had a dub in my pocket and they're patting me down. And the security guard's like, you want to go in or do you want to keep that dub? And I was just like, uh, I want to go in, you know. I keep, <laughs> keep the dub, yeah. But uh, but there's there's no uh, lack of, uh, you know, of, of that when you're there anyways. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, I, to be honest, I lost interest. Uh, I, I don't really like to promote Coachella. Yeah. But there are bands on there, like Tame Impala, I'm a fan of. Yeah, definitely. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, they have, they have, some, of the, they have some good people I wouldn't mind seeing. But I would rather see them at a smaller venue. Right. So, right. what I do now is uh, a couple of years ago, another favorite band of mine uh, reunited the Stone Roses. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a big deal. And yeah, I think, I, I think we went that year. Oh, you yeah, saw we, the Stone yeah. Roses? Yeah, I think we went that year. Yeah. Fuck, I'm jealous now. <laughs> uh, and I really wanted to go, but I didn't want to pay $300, however much Whatever it was, it is, yeah. for like a 45 minute set. So, I decided, because a lot of bands will play smaller venues. Yeah in between uh weekends mm-hmm. and unfortunately they're one of the bands that did not play that uh a smaller venue that weekend so oh, i missed shit. them you know well what i just heard and i'm not sure if i can confirm this but somebody told me that they aren't the artists who are booked are not allowed to play within that month of being there so before really? you could play you know the bands would come and because i remember little, they do tours little yeah, mini around, show yeah. yeah i don't think they're allowed to do that anymore they're not allowed to do that i anymore? think now when they sign on they can't do it because that, I don't know. That's what my cousin told me, and it's like, well, of course they would want to do that. Because yeah. I mean, even up to well, two years ago, I, they were doing. I think that. I think even Coachella is losing that allure now too. I I don't think that it's really they're not the end all be all of festivals like they used to be. It used to be, you're, I'm going to Coachella, like that's the spot, that's the festival to go to now. But now they, all these artists are just so recycled, and I think it's just so lazy the way they piece these these uh lineups together because before like they would get these crazy heavy hitting artists and artists that hadn't been together like the stone roses i think around that time is sort of when they kind of gave up on i think that reuniting was bands and like that and guns and roses we were talking about yeah, yeah. Were the last two bands that they thought okay let's reunite this yeah. year they just dropped they that just don't they just theme. don't care anymore yeah i will say this i will make an exception for the smiths i will okay. go see this goes yeah well, I don't know. Morrissey's questionable. Oh, I, I saw Morrissey recently at, uh, at Tropicalia. Uh-huh. How was uh, he? Uh, oh, he rocked it, man. I was surprised because the last yeah. time I saw him was at the first Coachella uh-huh. in 99. And that was the last time you saw him? That was the last time. Did he time. play that uh, For Me It Is Murder? Did he play uh, on the projector oh, Animals I saw Getting that Murdered? No, yeah. no, but he did have a couple. He he had this video of a bullfighter getting uh, gorged. <laughs> what the hell's I wrong? think I would have <laughs> taken that one. Um, well, we saw he uh, he played it at FYF. Yeah. Yeah, like four or five years ago. No, I was like three years ago. Anyway, like back then, and yeah. uh, he played Meet His Murder, and on the big projector, he just had animal slaughterhouse videos. Uh, not even just slaughterhouse, like straight up cruelty. And then videos. it kept going after the song. Uh, I was like, oh, and that's man. a long song too. That is but a very. Long I always hear mixed things about Morrissey. Like I, I like when he plays his Smith stuff, but I'm not a fan of just Morrissey on his own. Yeah. I mean, he, he definitely rocked Tropicalia. Um, oh yeah, and. Uh, I'm a huge uh, Smiths nerd, and I would nice. I think I would I would make an exception for Coachella to go see them. Yeah. Uh, according to Morrissey, that's never going to happen, but um, I would make an exception for that one. You know. Yeah, they yeah. got to bring some heavy heat. Like maybe if, speaking of like reunions, I would maybe take a Talking Heads. Oh, that would be that, cool. That'd be like, but they're not going to get just that. reunions. I I remember wanting like who's going to be the next 
reunion band when they they got Outcast back together, and I thought that was so fucking. I love Outcast. Yeah, that was and sick. they rocked it. That was amazing. That was an amazing show they played. And like, don't get me wrong, Coachella has the production value, and they they could like if you go to Coachella, you'll have a good time. But well, let me ask you that you guys went recently, right? When was the last time you went? I went. Am I missing out? Two uh, years ago is when we were both went together. Last year? The year, 2017. Am I yeah. missing anything? No. No. No, no. you're literally Even not. Missing. You guys camp out there? Because that yeah. wasn't an option. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like yeah. to camp out there. Yeah. On because the fairgrounds or somewhere On the nearby? fairgrounds. Because if I'm going to pay that much money, I want to get my money's worth of the festival. And I feel like just being there <laughs> 24-7, you have no choice but to soak in the festival. Because I know if I like got an Airbnb or whatever, I would I'm just. Be, I'm not gonna leave. Room. Like I'll be like, okay, I'll go later. But it kind of just forces you to go. What out. happens after the show? Like when you guys are just hanging out, you go to campgrounds and drink and party and. I'm chill. already on one. So I'm already I'm yeah. Just gonna keep going. Um, but I uh, I think the last year I went 2017. I realized that most of the time I was like going in at 3:34. Yeah. And I was like, why did I spend this money if I'm just gonna like catch like six bands five bands a day for 45 minutes and it's like nah because before i would be there like right when the gate opened because there was artists i wanted to see throughout the day and i had little breaks so so it didn't feel super overwhelming but now i realize like i'm i have to actually like look for something and it's like before it was just like it was there and it's like i had to fight like oh man should i choose this band or should i choose that band and now it was more like i got like three hours to kill what am i gonna do and that's just when I was like, this isn't worth it. This is a uh, waste. So if I, if I had never been and you were, and I had asked you, hey, is it worth the 300 bucks? I'd be like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to see some bands or are you trying just, to go party? I guess at this point for me, it would be, oh, I've never been. What am I missing? You need to really like the music at this point. Like, yeah, at you got to yeah. see that lineup and it's like, yeah, that's worth that, it. Yeah. Because it's not, it's more or, than $300. Or just be in the complete opposite and not care and be open to seeing any, like whatever your friends want to take you to go see and just go. Like, because it is, like, you'll have a good income. time. Like, if you're like, you're a maniac if you're not having a good time at Coachella. Because it's like, I get it. It's an inconvenience. There's like bathrooms suck, food sucks, whatever, all that. But you're in a music festival, you know? Like, every, there's cool art everywhere and. It's just a fun environment. I don't know. I I enjoy going, but three hundred dollars not like I, I want to go to other festivals now. Like we've been there, done that. Like the same way you're feeling, you know. Like I've I've been. It's all it's all good. It's you're not missing fine. out. You're yeah. not missing yeah, out. Yeah, I didn't get miss- that. Yeah, I'm into exploring um, smaller festivals nearby. Last year I went to a Royal Circle. Yeah, I've been wanting to hit that one Washington. Up. Hell yeah. Um, that was on a on a golf course behind the Rose Bowl. Okay, it was hot. Uh, I think it was in the summer. Yeah, so, it's like August, I think. Yeah, around, like, around there, mid August. And uh, you got to watch out, stay hydrated for that. Tropicalia it was the first time going to uh, yeah, Queen Mary to Park. Um, I'm not a fan of the Queen Mary grounds for a festival. I went to Smoking Brews, I think is what it's called, in like, the parking lot. Yeah, by the Queen Mary. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't. I mean, at one point, it got so crowded, people were, like, sitting on the pavement, and I'm like, yeah, that doesn't look too comfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. hot. It's hot, yeah, and you're just, like, trapped to get out, too. I don't like places, like, weird. Yeah, kinda, yeah, we had to take a shuttle. Yeah, exactly. I don't like that kind of... I think that the festival-goer in me is dead now. Like, <laughs> well, let me ask you this. If the, they brought Fire Festival back, would you go? Fire Festival? No. Have you no. seen that? Have you heard I of that? I just saw it uh, <laughs> yesterday, yeah. Man. So, what are your thoughts? Like, okay, what a train wreck am i right uh i can't believe that those guys didn't pull the plug you know well, earlier, earlier you they know, were just been so, like fuck it you know so let's cut our committed. losses yeah 
Um, they didn't care. It was like, whatever. whatever. <laughs> they shelled out so much money on that. It's really funny. Though. It's so funny. The concept is badass. You know, let's throw a festival on, a, on an on island. island but know? it's just the logistics yeah, of that logistically, are so insane. Was there was like one guy who was like, yeah, I, me and my wife, like, I wanted to help him out. I I spent a night out there. I camped out. I got a, I pitched a tent. I got a legit tent. And we spent a night out there. And he's like, it's too, there's too many mosquitoes. It's too windy. Like, you're never going to make this happen. And they fired that guy. Oh yeah, they let him the pilot. Yeah, the pilot. They let him go. Or like, you're good. You know, we don't want to hear this from you. And it's just like, damn. Have you seen it, Joel? No, I haven't seen it. But I've uh, I've been pretty well read on what happened. And And it's just uh, like more to my our point of like how these festivals have become saturated and these lineups are kind of boring. Like, they talked to people who were involved that were like talent agents and music festival consultants, and they were like, there was nobody of color involved in these things. It was all just like white dude, rich white dudes. And these are, I just made me, it just, it put a face on the people who are dictating and putting these lineups and organizing these festivals together. Like, no wonder they've I become mean, even so saturated the, and the just crowd dull. just looked entirely composed of well, the so crowd, called Instagram influencers. Yeah, well, like, that's like, only oh, rich wow. people that so are it's involved. basically but, like <laughs> the same looking people. The only people of color were the people who were, were native to the islands and they got the most fucked. Like, they got fucked over. At least a lot of the people in this country. Who went? They filed a class action lawsuit so they can get some money back. But those people on the island, like they're all dead. those wages, all those hours they committed, they're not getting shit. And it's just, yeah, it's just shitty. It's a good documentary. It's a really good documentary. It's on Netflix. But that, uh, uh, Netflix or Amazon? Netflix. Netflix. I think there's one on Hulu. I want to say too. There's, a, I think there's two. But yeah, just to my point, like the people organizing these festivals are not people of color, and they're not. I, I don't know if they have their finger on the right pulse, but. I think that now it's just a for-profit kind of culture. Even our music culture is a for-profit sort of racket nowadays. Like People aren't really considering making long-lasting music or booking new artists, artists that are you know, changing the shape of music now and really cementing a sound as opposed to just being a cookie-cutter sound, I guess. I don't know. I feel very bitter about... True. I mean, since we brought it up and you asked, would I recommend it? I mean, if you're like an Instagram influencer... Yeah, that's, that's, your, that's your fire that's festival. your type, it's like I post pictures of myself in a bikini <laughs> or like promoting a fit tee, then yeah, go for it. Yeah. It's good for your brand, mm-hmm. but if you're a regular person who likes music, it's no longer for you. Yeah. Because it's like when I went, one of the weirdest things was just like walking through the art installations and I was like, wow, these are amazing. Like somebody made this that's incredible you know i'm a very art driven and geared person but to see people just like barely look at it and immediately be like here take a picture of me or like immediately just go to the selfie camera it was just so bizarre like what are you doing like at least look at it for a few minutes (laughs) or like a few seconds don't just like oh here we go yeah it's not your your prop it felt like it was just i felt weird for walking the grounds without having my camera in front of me or like a GoPro with a selfie stick. Yeah. Cause that's what you, you have people bumping into you. It's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like yeah. I have to record this obviously like my bad, <laughs> my bad. Not living in the moment, man. No, no not at dude, all. not at all. And I'm a big camera and film guy. So if I'm telling <laughs> you, it's like, that's bizarre. You got to stop this. It's like, you got a problem. Yeah. Like, that's weird. Ugh. So I don't know. No, no, that's a big no. Looking at that lineup just gets me. That's why we support uh, local artists. Yeah, man. You've yeah. definitely given a local artist a huge platform for that. So thank you for that from the community. 
as a whole. Well, thank you guys for supporting uh, Persistence of Sound. You know, I wouldn't have had, a, you know, our 100th episode without you or yeah. Joel coming on and talking about his work. And Yeah, and then you had us as Third World Ballers on there, too, sharing our uh, platform. Right. So it's all about the community. I feel like in Los Angeles, that's, that's lacking. People just want to be the best and kind of help themselves. I mean, there are people who will reach their hand out for you, but ultimately, I just the bigger scheme of things are people just trying to get a handful for themselves. And it's good to have people like you in the community and even just Espacio, just that whole setup of just being geared towards the community and help lending a handout. So Yeah, and it feels very real, too. Yeah, well. yeah. It, it doesn't, doesn't feel like feel it's just like pandering and trying to make you feel Or people like, who aren't within the community or know that community just right. trying to, like, bank and vulture on like a certain look yeah. or oh well you're a mexican or you're latino or you know you're something and you know you fit in with what we need right now yeah you know just authentic and very much what you do is a part of that authenticity well thank you guys for that recognition i think it, it, a lot of it has to do with what side of the town you're at you know yeah because one of my biggest uh, other pet peeves if i may vent for a minute uh, speak on is when people come to la and and start you know talking shit about my hometown yeah same you know yeah. and it's just like i had i, I was i'll give you an example of, i met this actress who was from spain at a, at a premiere uh, a couple summers ago and she her impressions you know typical transplant impression of la she said how fake it is and how people here are always on their way somewhere else you know and they'll give you five <laughs> minutes and so after you know she she said her thing i looked at her and i'm like well let me ask you this uh where, where are you living She's right, like Hollywood, and I'm like, where there do you, you go? Where yep. do you where do you hang out? On the West Side. Yeah, I'm like, where <laughs> on the West Side? Santa Monica, Hello. Venice. I'm like, well, there's there's your problem right there. Yeah. You know, you're hanging out, you know, with the on, on the wrong side of town with all these other transplants who have a, yeah. a fucked up uh, perspective. Perception. Yeah, of of LA, and and all you're doing is propagating, you know, this stereotype amongst yourselves, and then talking shit. I'm like, why oh, don't you yeah. come? to the east side you know yeah. why you, at the time i was living in long beach why don't you come to long beach you know there's real angelinos here you know born and raised yeah you know who are really good hard-working people with a lot of culture and a lot of soul uh and she just looked at me like de la verga and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> well there's your problem yeah you're whatever probably wrong. expression that the you Spanish just got the do. real and you didn't like it <laughs> yeah uh so i i think that has a lot to do with it and Definitely. and and one of the cool things about espacio is that it's you know consciously built a space and this is something that i you know i was talking to nico once about it about the physical space of espacio and how important it is for the community to hold these spaces you know because otherwise the gentrifiers are going to come in and, and turn it into something else turn it into yeah. the west side yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and how important it is to have you know the gallery space for joao to put up his work or for uh josh to come in and spend some records or the books that they have there mm -hmm. or bands coming chicano batman was in there a couple weeks ago you know meet and yeah. greet and how important it is because those spaces are so few and far between and, and and they're precious you know and a shout out to a, a quick shout out to my homies over on the southeast side at alivio they're having a, their fifth anniversary coming up uh i think this this friday and they're doing something similar to what espacio is doing except that's in uh my friend eric's backyard they have an open mic there uh i invite you both they have a uh, gallery space maybe you can put some photography yeah. yeah uh they don't have decks there but they do have an open mic and you know you people come in and play their music yeah, yeah feel the vibe out um and they're basically what they're doing is trying to highlight the art that's going on in southeast la because 
a lot of the kids in Southeast LA feel like we're getting overshadowed by what's going on in East LA and Boyle right. Heights. Yeah, 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 for sure. And so that came out of the Bell political corruption scandal happened. And, yeah, um, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And so this kid, Eric, decided to host an open mic out of his garage and it's blown up and uh, some big names have been there. Uh, Luis Rodriguez, poet laureate of LA, has been there. Matt Cedillo, who is like one of the top poets right now in the country. Wow. Out of this little backyard in Bell, of all places, you know. Yeah. My hometown. So shout out to those kids. They're going to have their anniversary this uh, Friday. If you guys get a chance, Dope. talk to them and get your work out there too. Yeah, most yeah. definitely. Yeah, man. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, I think we'll close this out by... Uh, playing the rest do you want to play the rest of that kamasi track or you want to spin a different track uh actually can i spin two tracks i, I wanted to feature the two yeah, bands yeah. that are playing yeah 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 uh, can we get that on spotify uh yeah so go to spotify okay and the the first band we're going to listen to really quick i, I did want to promote them uh mind monogram okay and the name of the track is insomniac cool we'll play that uh shortly but uh for our listeners remind us uh what day again is your uh, anniversary and where can we hear uh, persistence and sound and when so our third year anniversary show for persistence of sound is going to be february 6th at Eastside love starts at 8 p.m we're gonna have uh dj chibo of ghetto palm sounds gonna be spinning uh live sets by um mind monogram weapons of mass creation marie sanchez who is miss musa dusamba usa 2017 she's gonna be performing Hosted by Divine Diosa, food by De La Luna Catering, and vinyl by Sonido, Sonido del Valle. And uh, if you want to catch our show, Persistence of Sound, we're live every Wednesday, 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And you can catch us on radioespacio.org. Oh, yeah, man. And uh, for some past episodes, uh, Mixcloud? Yes, our archives are on Mixcloud right now, Persistence of Sound. All 147 shows, we're in the process of transferring them to Patreon. But in the meantime, you can catch our old shows with Third World Ballers around there, Joel's solo show, and uh, Josh's solo show, 100th uh, episode volume um, featuring Josh Sanchez. Oh, yeah, man. Thank you once again for coming on. We really appreciate appreciate everything you've done for us, everything you've done for the community, man. And looking forward to the show. Thank you, brother. Yeah, thank you again. So we'll close it out with, uh, what is it again? We're going to be listening Uh, to? Mind Monogram. And the name of the track is Insomniac from their record, uh, Ivory Hall, which came out last year. Nice. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. So uh, Gary's going to be playing a couple more tracks to close it out. Uh, For those listening on SoundCloud, tune in to hear those tracks. And uh, we can probably get these cleared for iTunes, right? They're local. Yeah, you can definitely get uh, my monogram. And can we do one after that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. And then the second one would be uh, Weapons of Mass Creation. And the name of the track is a new single called My Folks. Cool. We'll so, have uh, the links on social media as well. Yeah, we'll have all the links to Gary's uh, stuff and uh, all the information on our SoundCloud and Instagram. So thank you guys for listening in. And we will be back next week with The Heat. Peace. Peace.